Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bisking. And on this week's episode, we welcome Jennifer Hopper of Save a Lot. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, The Tom James Company, Edward Jones, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. And now to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Jennifer, welcome to the STLers podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to, to come on the show and excited to kind of share uh, your path and your career and what you're doing now and with our uh, St. Louis audience. So let's start there. Talk to us about growing up and what your path was to the IT sector. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Northeast Missouri, a small town, Palmyra, Missouri, 12 miles north of Hannibal. So not an intentional technologist by any stretch of the means. Uh, started university at Missouri Science and Technology in Rolla with the aspirational goal to enter into the medical field. Um, throughout the course of my education and as I started looking at kind of next steps post-university, I thought I just needed to take a moment, take a breath. Um, I was looking for kind of some options and alternate career paths. Had a couple of really good friends that had joined Accenture and you know, gave me good guidance. That's a, a great path. It's extremely challenging. What was exciting for me coming from a small town was the travel that um, would be given to me from an opportunity perspective. So I joined Accenture. And with plans to re-enter back into the medical medical field, um, but I stayed in the technology practice. So, label myself an accidental technologist, and have never looked back since then. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's it's a growing field, and you know you can make a lot of money in it, and you can do very well in it, and it's a much needed field. So, talk to us about your role at Save a Lot as a CIO. Talk to us about kind of how that transpire because I you know you're you've been there a couple of years now um, but kind of talk to us about that and kind of what you're doing today yes yeah, so I started my career at Accenture spent a great amount of time there from a mainline consulting perspective and then actually took a couple of years off focused on my family and then re-entered the workforce with MasterCard great company enjoyed my career there fully planned to retire uh, with MasterCard 
and this opportunity presented itself with save a lot so just a amazing opportunity to come to a smaller company three billion in size and lead the it organization you know through a transformational time period we have transitioned from a retailer to a pure play wholesaler with a retail program so what that means is we are a wholesaler and then we run a retail program of a thousand stores across the United States. Interesting. So what, what made that transformation for save a lot? So we're really looking at kind of the landscape competitive landscape where we can be a differentiated value add to our local communities. And we, when we look at that, the real value and what we bring that is unique to the grocery and ecosystem is our stores are all independently owned. Those are small business owners out there running those Save-A-Lots day in and day out. And so we looked at our business model and how can we best support our local communities? How can we ensure that the custom items that make it feel as though it's your neighborhood grocery store, how can we best support that? And that was really moving to the Pure Play Wholesaler uh, for Save-A-Lot and then supporting our retail partners through that transition. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So tell me the, you know, the landscape and the technology space, obviously to your earlier point has changed drastically just even in the last two years with COVID. Um, I mean, obviously that, that, that I, I think sped up technology a little bit. Um, but talk to us about how the technology landscape has changed in the grocery industry over the last several years. Yeah. So you know, across the board, all of us are experiencing this from an organizational perspective when we look at our internal employee digital enablement and how we support our own internal employees going from a typical in-office experience to what we now label as a dynamic and flexible work environment. So ensuring things like video conferencing through the various platforms are well understood and accessible, and it's easy for individuals to click the, the video button. So that's from an internal perspective. External with our customers um, as they're you know shopping, of course, the delivery, the pickup through the, the COVID transition period, um, we really spiked from a grocery perspective. Um, more people were home, more people were eating at home with their families. So that has been a focus on the e-commerce and how right. we remove that friction and make that affordable for our customers. Yeah, well, that brings me to my next question, which is, um, and you kind of hit on it, right? How did COVID impact the organization? And I'll just say, um, you know, I will give Target a ton of credit. Um, if you have ever done Target pickup, it is like the easiest thing in the world. And I, I have to remind my wife on a weekly basis that just because it's easy doesn't mean we have to buy something from Target every single week. But um, I got to imagine that whole, you know, shopping on your phone, doing the Target pickup or, you know, that whole philosophy, I guess you could say, um, has impacted not only grocery stores, but retailers like Targets, Walmarts, things like that. But how else did COVID really impact your organization? Yeah, the focus on e-commerce is kind of that big hit that we've had and, you know, focused on that customer experience, ensuring that everything that we do is we take in our customer centricity model. So how does that impact our end customer? What does that mean for, you know, the, the parent or the grandparent going into the grocery store? What does that mean from how we serve them, how we ensure that they feel 
safe and protected in our stores. Um, that's really been our focus, um, just yeah. ensuring that we take our customer first. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen, and I have not been in one, but I'm curious of your perspective, the, I, I might screw this up, but maybe it's like an Amazon grocery store where you go into the grocery store and you essentially, I don't know if the, if the cart weighs the item or maybe you just scan the item when you pick it up, but do you see as that kind of the future of technology in the grocery store industry? It's exciting. There are the opportunity that lies in front of us. And we think about the advancements over the last 10 years. And, you know, we sit here in the year 2022 and think about in the year 2032, what in 10 years, what will advance? Yeah, It's exciting to think about that perspective of keeping the customer first and removing friction. How can we do that? How can we digitally enable them through their phone or what else there may be in the future. It's exciting to think about. So, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of look at what may or may not be. Right. I think it's going to be individualized to our customers. Um, you know, I liken it to some people love their Kindle. Some people love to have the book and the feeling of the book in their hand. Yeah. So the way that we are approaching it is ensuring we're looking at our customer base across and where we want to grow and ensure that we're really providing options for them to whatever their preferences on how they grocery shop for their family. Totally. Totally. Because I, I can tell you, my dad probably does not do target pickup. He probably just doesn't even know how to pull up the target app. Um, no offense, dad, if you're listening, but um, it, it's definitely, there's different generations, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial. I grew up with technology. So for me, I love the, I, to your point, I love, I love the thought process of where are we going to be at in 10 years, but there's also a different generation who doesn't necessarily uh, want to do that. And from an organizational standpoint, like you guys, you got to find that balance for, for your customers, for sure. Let's yes. switch gears here a little bit. Let's talk about leadership. Talk to me about your views on leadership and how you lead your team at Save a Lot. Servant leadership through and through. I often make the reference of get the org chart in your mind. It's usually a pyramid org chart. Yep. Take that org chart, flip it upside down, and the customer's at the top. That's servant leadership in my mind. That's the graphic and the visual that I can get in my mind. Um, that's easy to explain what I mean when I talk about servant leadership. It's when I talk to my direct reports from an organizational structure perspective, I set the vision. I ensure that we are aligned to what our customers need, what we have set as an organizational strategy. And then they're there to help support that and lead through their, their departments. But each week it is, how can I help you? How can I help support you? What help do you need from me? That to me is important. And then as we develop people leaders and as we identify those individuals within the organization that want to take the people management path, we at Save Lot ensure that culture is instilled in them that we are a servant leadership culture. We will always have our, our hand on your back to support you and hold you up when needed and to help encourage you along forward when you need a little help getting out of your comfort zone. That's what the leadership principles that we have um, and we, you know, continue to emphasize across the organization. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've heard, I've actually, I've had someone on my show, I can't remember exactly who it was, who talked to me about the um, taking the org chart and flipping it upside down. And so you're the second person who has, has uh, I've heard that from. And so I think it's very valid. I think it's very important and it, um, it definitely resembles the servant leadership model. Tell me this, you know, what do you view as one of the most important things that a leader of an organization like yourself has to remember when you're leading employees? We're all people. We all have a lot going on inside and outside of work. At the end of the day, when, you know, we're all in our, our final days of our life, we're not going to look back and think about that initiative or project. We're going to think about how did we feel during that time? Who influenced us? One of my favorite quotes is Maya Angelou. People will forget what you say. They'll forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. That mm-hmm. to me is, is as important as anything from a leadership perspective, whether that's up, down, across with our vendor partners. It's everyone that we deal with um, within the organization, with our customers. And if we just keep that in mind that we're all human, we're all going to make mistakes, we all need help, we're all going to have good days, bad days, but if we have a clear set of common shared goals that we are all striving to, we're all going to take a bit of a different path to get there. But as long as we have clear, direct, honest, safe communication, that's when we feel as though we can come together as a team. When we have each other's backs, there's no internal threats. We know, I know that I have the empowerment from my leadership team, from my colleagues and from my team to take risks because they are always going to be there to have my back. That's when we can really propel the organization forward and move with speed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that quote, by the way. That was um, amazing quote. I had not heard that before, but great quote. But to that point, I think you really, you really hit something there that, you know, I think sometimes as leaders, you know, and I, I oversee a team at, at my organization, and we we do have to remember that even though we all have a quote unquote mission or a project that we're trying to further. Um, we're only as good as the team that we have. And we have to remember that, you know, they have a life and they have stuff they're probably dealing with at home. And we, you know, although we gotta, we gotta hold our feet to the fire sometimes on moving the project and the mission forward. We also have to remember that they're people, like you just said, they're, they're humans. They have, um, a balance that they're trying to, trying to do. I know my team over the last uh, six or seven weeks has really, um, rallied around myself. You know, my wife and I had a son, uh, seven weeks early then we were in the NICU for five and a half weeks. And so I wasn't as available to my team as probably I, I should have been. Um, but at the end of the day, my team understood and they supported me in, in those endeavors. And, and we, as leaders have to remember that too, those, you know, when those employees of mine have instances like that, I got to remember that, you know, that they, they are, they're people, like you said. Yeah, Let me- definitely. Let me ask you this, Jennifer, where did you learn this servant leadership and all these wisdoms and traits that you have? Where did you learn all that? It is a long, long list of <laughs> moments of advocates for me, mentors for me, learning moments on what to do, what not to do, current tips and tricks. You know, you think you do the right thing. You think um, you're taking the right path and then it, it just doesn't land well. I'll, I'll give you an example on a tactical tip that I was given just recently that I have implemented and it's very simple. It's in Microsoft Outlook. And when you send an email, you switch over to the options tab and you click delay delivery. 
My work-life balance kind of ebbs and flows throughout the week. I have some peak performance times in the morning, morning. So Saturday morning, Sunday morning, before the family is awake and our weekend gets started, I can really crank through cleaning up my inbox or getting through or some focus time on a deliverable that I need to do. But what I need to remember is that's unique to me and that's how I function. And it was messaged to me that even though I have my truly human notice at the bottom of my emails, if someone that is in my organization receives an email, it is that urgency to reply because the boss has sent it. And I never really impacted me as much as it did when someone said, hey, you're, you're impacting the organization. And it was, it, it was a hard feeling of failure because I put at the top, not urgent, wait until Monday, don't reply. And it wasn't until someone called that out. So now, and it's only been over the past couple of months, I just, every time I'm working on the weekends, will hit that delay delivery and just say Monday, 8 a.m. And then it can flow through to the team. Now, if it's with my peer group or my boss is asking for something, I don't delay the delivery because sure. that's you know, someone's needing something or a customer need. But I think it's helpful from a leadership perspective and it's always listening. I'm always looking to improve. I'm always just scanning articles, looking for tips and tricks and asking for feedback, right? And encouraging feedback. And even if it's feedback that I don't want to hear, that's one of the other kind of points that I take is every piece of feedback is a gift, whether it's wrapped beautifully or not wrapped or it's not what you yeah. wanted as a gift, it's <laughs> still a gift. You still have to receive it, process it, and determine how you will respond in a positive way and adjust your behavior and go back and thank the person. As hard as it was to hear, as hard as it hit, you still have to thank the person and be appreciative that you created that safe environment for them to feel comfortable giving you that feedback. Absolutely. No, I think that's very, very interesting point. And, and to your point, there's probably, you know, I'm very much like you, by the way, <laughs> when I get an email, I'm, I usually, I don't care what time of day it is, I'm responding. And I do a lot of work in the early mornings as well. Um, and so maybe I should, uh, that's a very valid point that I guess I hadn't really thought of myself. Um, and maybe I should, uh, maybe I should apply that. So that's what I love about this show is being able to pull out, you know, tips and tricks like that, that can apply leadership to your, your everyday life. You know, Jennifer, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. And so as a, being a leader here in St. Louis that you are, and, you know, this show is geared towards, uh, you know, aspiring leaders, current leaders that we have here in St. Louis, what piece of advice could you leave us with today, whether that's on business or personal life itself? Just one. That's hard. It's um, from a technology perspective within the St. Louis community get connected, have those connections, have the conversations, reach out, introduce yourself, think of ways that you can give back to the community, ways that you can pay it forward. A nice piece of networking advice that I received. A lot of people think about networking. It has a negative feel, a negative vibe, negative connotation. If you look at it from a connection perspective and Brian, I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to pass along an article that I think would be helpful that's connecting with you. That's me providing a service. And that feels really good because I feel like I'm helping you. But if you take a step back, we're networking, we're talking, we're sharing ideas. So if we kind of take that networking concept, flip it around to connecting and paying it forward, and how can I help someone 
that's going to build your network. And that's going to put kind of all that, those positive checks in the, the credit column, not the negative column. Yeah. And then that continues to build upon itself over and over. And our tech community, we really do need to focus within the St. Louis community around how we build it, how we serve each other, how we just help each other about open roles or advancing each other's career. I think that that will help a ton. Absolutely. No, I think that's great advice. I'm a big advocate of networking. It's one of the reasons this show actually got started, honestly, two years ago. Um, and so I think that's, and to your point, networking, um, sometimes people can think, oh, you're, some, you're networking just to get business. And, and it's much, much more than that. If you're doing it the right way, you're building solid relationships, um, you know, it's your connections and, and just in general, it's just a, it's a, a building of a relationship and a connection for who knows where it may lead. It may lead nowhere, but, you know, I think all of us as St. Louisians can, can build better relationships, better connections here and, and try to give back to one another. I think that's what makes St. Louis such a great town. So I think that's a great piece of advice, Jennifer. And on behalf of the STLers podcast, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. It was fun.